filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster We are doing like 115 interviews in one day because all the coaches are there and ESPN wants to get as many coaches as possible. And of course, I set Ben Olsen up. I request Ben especially, you know, just so we can have some good time together in the preseason. And um, he's scheduled for 8 a.m. So, you know, I get up nice and early. I'm I'm all dressed up, very spiffy. Uh, I show up early. Ben is like the first interview on the schedule. So, you know, it cost me like an extra half hour. And uh, I get there and there's... Uh, eight, you know, seven fifty-five rolls up. No Ben Olsen. Eight o'clock rolls up. No Ben Olsen. Okay, well, you know, we got thirty minutes before the next coach shows up, so you know, we got a little time. Uh, eight thirty comes. No Ben Olsen. So um, he comes later in the day, and he and he tells me that eight o'clock was far too early, which um, it was for him, but it wasn't for me because again, I was up. And <laughs> and we have a, a brief sit down. We chat, and then we he. Literally walks, takes one step out of the room, and my phone starts buzzing. And I look down, and it's my from my wife, and she goes, "Oh!" And it just says, "OMFG Rooney," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and so I open my phone, and immediately there's a hundred text messages about um, Wayne Rooney having uh, just been the news discovered that he had been, you know, had a, uh, a running with the law at La- at the. Uh, at the airport at Dulles. Oh. <laughs> so I run down, I'm like, Ben, hey, wait a sec, come back, sit, sit back down. He's like, no, 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 no. And then I chase him down the hallway. And we bring him no, and we bring him back in and we'd had a good chat. But uh you can imagine it was it was no no comment officially. But I got the good backstory there. Uh there you go. Uh, and that's and that's where you get the details. You can always tell the story before um, you know, before everybody else knows it, but at least you know it. So that was kind of interesting. Huh. Uh it, I wonder if that was a flashback to your old days at RFK Stadium trying to get Ben to talk to you. Yeah, basically, um, I just it was very it was like a comical like scene like me like da 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 da. He's like you know he can't really run super fast anymore, but he's still you know a former World Cup player. So he's like giving down the hallway, and I'm like oh, come back here, or like the villain in a, in a cartoon. Yeah, it was absurd, but uh, but we got him. You know, we got our comment on camera. So now I'm just picturing you doing Tim Curry in Home Alone two. <laughs> Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Chasing Ben Olsen podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley, and tonight by Sebastian Salazar. Um, You know him from ESPN FC. If you listen to this podcast, you just know him. He's been around DC United for a very long time, and he's well-loved and and for good reason. Uh, Tonight, we are talking to Sebi about God knows what. We're going to talk about some other DC United stuff. We may get to it in the first segment. Who knows? But whatever we don't get to, we'll go into the second segment. Uh, before we do anything, though, Sebi, start us off. What are you drinking? I have a uh, Ghost White IPA from the Three Stars Brewing Company of Washington, D.C. It's a white India pale ale. Excellent choice. We've, uh, we've had that on here several times. All right. I've got a Manhattan. It's, it's tasty. It's good. It's the spot. 
uh, district what spot made. Did you? It, you know, the spot had it coming, Ben. Okay, I just wanted to know. I don't want to go into it. It's personal. Brings up some dark, dark feelings. Um, really don't want to go into it. Just know that it had it coming. Okay. Uh, district made rye whiskey from one eight distilling here in DC is what what the base spirit is. Ben, what are you drinking? I'm also drinking a whiskey-based cocktail. I'm going with a whiskey sour. I haven't had a whiskey sour in a long time, and it's pleasant. Good. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Jason, what are you drinking? Well, first of all, Ben ruined it because if, if Ben had had a DC-based uh, beverage of some kind, we could have we could have run the table on it. Um, but he didn't. Damn Thanks it, a lot, Ben. Um, I, I, uh, I drink my bourbon Kentucky-based. And my sour mix Richmond-based. Terrible. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I have a, a DC Brow uh, Pen Quarter Porter. Um, I've been slowly chipping away. Basically, whenever the weather has gotten that cold, and today it went back to being cold again, uh, I am a, I allow, allow the weather to nudge me back towards a, a heavier beer, and um, I'm getting towards the end of it. Hopefully, um, I have enough to get me through this this next little cold spell. We're all we're all there with you, Jason. We're rooting for you. <laughs> hey, if this if this podcast goes long, I have a second drink. In honor of RFK and the limeritas they used to sell. If this thing gets out of hand, I have a limerita. That was the only other thing in the fridge. So. That is that is how we know that you've been on the show multiple times. Is just being <laughs> you have a prepared. backup drink. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if memory cool. serves, Sebi actually had to go to a backup drink once because he opened a shandy at the start of the show and it was terrible because oh, it's a shandy. Yeah, don't say they might be like a sponsor of ESPN FC. Don't say the name. I don't even remember, but I remember I, we don't remember. I was either. like, yeah. I'm not drinking that. I'm not drinking that. I'm not gonna suffer. <laughs> I'm not so gonna speak- suffer. I love you guys, but I'm not gonna suffer for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of we- uh Limeritas, uh, when I was in South Carolina last week, uh I was visiting my sister, and my sister doesn't keep much alcohol in the house, which is probably good for her like general health. But, uh, so I walked to a piggly wiggly and all they had was, uh, American macro brews and a, uh, end cap of limeritas. So I did purchase myself a limerita and enjoyed it last <laughs> week in honor of filibuster. We'll take it, I guess yeah. it's acceptable. Hey Sebi, where are you right now? Because you are you are a man about the world. I point. am. I travel. I travel a lot, which is um, which is great because that means I'm working and I'm not complaining. But man, it's it can be tough on uh, on on a lot of things, man. On the immune system, I got sick like a ton last year uh, from all the travel. I'm sure anybody else that travels for work uh, knows all about that. And I wonder if anybody has tips for how to stay healthy. Because my God, it, uh, it it was definitely a certainly a change for me that that. I had to get accustomed to, but right now I'm at 12th and you, I'm at my apartment, uh, overlooking Ben's chili bowl and the loudest alley in this <laughs> entire city where they come to take out the trash four times a day, including at six 30 in the morning, right below my window, which I'm not bitter about, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> so I'm, in my, for those I'm, I'm here in the city finally. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here. Um, and we're glad you're here with us tonight. Um, 
It's been an interesting offseason in MLS so far. You know, biggest transfer out, biggest transfer to not happen out of the league. Um, what are your thoughts just overall on what's happening in MLS this offseason? Yeah, you know, I think, how do we put this, right? Just I think for the longest time, the players in the league weren't of, a, of the type of quality that would place MLS in the kind of, in the transfer world, if you will. And then on top of that, MLS operates on this off schedule, which puts them like really just off center from the world of soccer transfers and and kind of that marketplace. And all of a sudden, MLS's buying powers gotten to the place where the players in MLS are now serviceable to that market. And now because they operate on this off calendar um, what you're seeing is when there's really a, a lack of, of talent in the European like winter transfer marketplace because all the players in Europe that are available in the winter are like people who don't want them. Um, now there's good players that are available or players who are good enough who are available out of contract or, or at the end of a contract or end of a contract year from MLS. And so it's a whole new marketplace that I think Europe finally now can plug into because the players are of a of a decent enough quality that they're useful over there. And so I actually think it's like the beginning of, in a lot of ways, MLS finally finding its place in the world transfer market, which is kind of cool and exciting um, in, in, in an abstract sense. And then really exciting when like you're caught up in it for a second, but also potentially then like devastating for you as a fan when, you know, like a guy like Lucho could leave your team kind of out of nowhere right before the season starts. So um, I think it's, it's, you know, there's so many ways to look at how the league's growing right now, but I, I just think it's really interesting that finally, after being kind of forgotten in this whole transfer market story, MLS suddenly has like, not just a place, but a somewhat prominent place because of the timing of everything. Yeah. It's, it's wild to think that Miguel Almiron was the most expensive signing of this winter Yeah, in the, in, in Europe. Um, it's that that's not something you would have expected coming from MLS even a year or two ago. And it, it's something that I was told by people who advocate for switching to the, you know, continental European or Western European, Southern European calendar uh, that couldn't happen with, with MLS playing on the, the calendar year, as opposed to the, the UEFA year. Yeah. I always thought that I always thought that, that, uh, kind of the same thing that because you, the, the, the summer market didn't line up um, and, and, you know, it, it does like, we will see it affect guys moving um, because got teams won't want to let players go in the middle of a season, especially if they're headed towards a title or anything of consequence for, for that team, that's going to be tougher for guys to move in season. But that winter transfer is now a place that didn't exist before for Europe. And the smart teams are going to, are going to come in and uh, and they're gonna find players in MLS. They're gonna they're gonna find their talent. They're gonna take, uh, take they're gonna t- they're gonna take players from from Major League Soccer, and it's gonna be interesting to watch. But teams are gonna have to very much manage it. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, speaking of Lucho, uh, he obviously didn't get the big move to PSG that was. Uh, rumored and more than rumored since he was over in France and taking physicals. How do you think that's going to affect Lucho? And do you think he 
do you think he signs a new contract? Do you think it's going to affect his play this year? How do you think Lucho's headspace is right now? So I think it's, I think it's the story of DC United's 2019 season. I, I don't know the answer, but I think, you know, and, and, and this was so much what I felt the day of all the transfer was, was excitement that DC United was caught up in it. And then that like I, Lucho might leave and then the, um, that might screw up the season's plans. And then when it all fell apart, my, I really felt horrible for the, for the guy, you know, for the player who, no matter what he might feel about DC United, and we know, you know, he has, you know, all it appears in every way a great relationship with fans and his time here. Uh, to be on the doorstep of something earth shattering for him, a move to PSG, uh, so much to the, to the point where, as you say, he's there, he's physically there. Um, you can imagine just what a what a blow it would be, and not in any way a knock on DC United, just or or what what it is to play here. Um, what a blow it would be for him to come back, and I think you know it, it's it's only natural that he would be down. How down? How long does that last? Um, I think it's it's beneficial in a lot of ways that it happened when it did. We still have a long way to go till the season, and really a long way to go till the brunt of the season, you know, to the part of the season where it really matters. And then the other thing that I, I think is important for him is the thing that made him great towards the end of last year that brought the best out of him last year was, was Wayne Rooney. And I think that, you know, if anybody can, you know, sit next to him and be like, hey, man, I know that must suck, but I, I probably have been there and I know how that goes. And, and uh, you know, it's, 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 that's how it is in the big leagues and you'll get your shot. And if he buys that message from from a guy like Wayne Rooney, which you know you'd think he would because it's Wayne Rooney, uh, I think I think that that could benefit him a, a lot. Having somebody else who can really look him in the eye and say, "Hey, this isn't the end of the world," and and that's a huge thing for DC United, man. Maybe more important than how well, like how many goals or assists Wayne Rooney has this year is if he can have that impact on Lucho and get Lucho right, then you know this team will be more than fine. Yeah, and I, we it's all rumors about why the deal fell through, but I would hope that if there's any truth to the rumor that uh, uh, Tuchel what didn't sign off on the Lucho deal, hopefully that just fuels Lucho to prove him wrong uh, in in this coming season. Yeah, I mean, I think Lucho, you know, has this isn't. This, this isn't something new for him either. I mean, this is a kid who was, you know, La Jolla at Boca, right? Like, that's not a, mm-hmm. you know, you don't walk into that title. And I know maybe things didn't work out for him there uh, initially. And But, you know, to ask a, a kid of that size, of that age, to, to be the number 10 at, at Boca is a really big ask. And, you know, when, he, when you grow up in that world with those expectations, you do think about Europe. Like, he's never, he's never been shy about, about wanting to go to Europe. Oh yeah. Uh, so I think I think the type of season he had last year, the touch with greatness with Rooney, uh, seeing the team explode kind of like it did. I think he knows very clearly that you know if if he if he can have another great season, which he's set up to do with this team, and maybe even have a better season statistically, um, you know he should have some opportunities. Maybe not PSG, but opportunities. And that's where the question about the contract comes in. Like, and that's. That's a Lucho risk reward decision that him and the people around him are, are going to have to make. Uh, if he can go on a free, he's a lot more attractive to a lot more European teams or maybe potentially 
South American teams. Maybe he's looking at going back to Argentina to get on the national team radar. You see it a lot of times with guys who have left Mexico to go back to Argentina because they don't think playing in Mexico, even though they make good money, puts them on the radar for the national team, which is eventually where they want to be. So if he thinks he's got to get out of MLS for national team and that's an important factor to him, um, you know, leaving in a year on a free makes a lot of sense. And he can sign a pre-contract in the summer, but that's a risk he's going to have to take um, to get there when he could sign, you know, what we've you know, reportedly heard is up to two million, two and a half million a year contract, which uh, for MLS is a lot of money for uh, for a kid with his resume. I mean, he right. would be he would be the first player of this type to get that type of deal. And, and that's a that's a lot of money. Right. And turning then. Yeah. Turning down two million a year to stay at 600 ish a year to maybe sign a contract, maybe somewhere. It's, it's, it's a lot to think about. That's what I'm saying. It's a big, it's a personal gamble, but you know, like you got to remember with these guys that people around them, one who say, yay or nay and give them advice. And then two, like they're great athletes. They have to have that killer ego. They have to be, believe that like, like Lucho has to believe that he was going to go to PSG and not ride the bench. And he was going to find a way like that's how, even though we all say like, wow, man, how, I don't know. I don't know. Like, that's not how these guys are, are, are like trained to think. So, um, you know, he'll have, he'll have to balance that, that, that competitive ego that says, yeah, man, I'll go anywhere and I'll prove it with man. What, you know, what is, what is it really worth, um, to, to have that financial guarantee and a lifestyle guarantee that you would have signing with DC. Uh, Sebi, sticking with the uh, the subject of big transfers, um, just a little uh, ways north of us, um, of all teams in MLS, uh, the Philadelphia Union went and got Marco Fabian um, after you know some push and pull about oh he only he doesn't want to go to Philly or his contract length. They managed to get that deal done. Um, what does that say? A player, you know, we've seen Mexican internationals come to MLS after they turn 30, but we're looking at Fabian at 29 years old coming from the Bundesliga. What does that say about the league's profile that a player like that is landing at a team like Philadelphia, frankly? So it's Marco Fabian's an interesting one, right? Because like, yeah, he's not over 30, but he's kind of over 30. His game's over 30. He's... um, <laughs> He's he's definitely this is I think that this a step down like after his post World Cup, um, you know he he made the point to be in Europe in the build up to the World Cup. He was actually pretty successful at Frankfurt in in stops and starts, um, and 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 was was part of a team that did some damage. Um, but eventually, you know, he had really bad back problems, surgeries on his back, and Frankfurt essentially, you know, kind of said, thanks, but no thanks. They tried to move him to Turkey. A Turkish team said, thanks, but no thanks on his physical. And he was basically left without a club. Mexican teams were a little bit uh, hesitant on him. He has a reputation, uh, frankly, as, as, as kind of a partier. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he, has, he has, you know, I think that was why when he went to Europe and found success in Germany, it was really important right before the World Cup and impressive. Um, and, and to be fair, kind of unexpected. And then, you know, I, I think at this point, he, he was kind of a man without a club, desperate. He was being shopped around MLS from what I heard. And, and uh, I think, you know, Philly is a, is a place that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's a team that needs uh, some type of star power. 
And remember, you guys might remember this or not, but uh, there's these old Wells Fargo commercials that like Marco Fabian randomly showed up in. Mm-hmm. Um, remember those? Yeah. Well, you know, that's a that's an old Soccer United marketing deal. And, you know, Soccer United uh, marketing uh, is MLS. So he has a lot of relationships, he and his people, with the money people behind Major League Soccer. And I think um, this makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels. And a, and a lot of people that know him um, were not really surprised to see him come back. But, I mean, it speaks overall to the, to the league's need to tap into the, still the Mexican-American market, go after the Mexican player. Um, to be honest, on the national team, I don't know where Fabian rates on like the superstar meter. He 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 he's an okay player. He never really did anything of super import with the national team level. He he had some flashes like a lot of guys, but but whatever. And um, you know, he's he he's a player that'll that'll sell some jerseys and draw some interest in Philadelphia, but I don't know that we'll pack stadiums really or 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 draw a whole lot on the road outside of your your real serious Mexican-American hotbeds, your, your L.A.'s and, and, and maybe your Chicago's and Houston's. Uh, switching up um, to something else that's been, I know it's been bugging me today um, with, I, I think it's Cincinnati's jersey that came out. Um, how are you feeling about this uh, league-wide slate of plain white uh, jerseys? Oh, my God. And Minnesota's is also very bad. Oh, oh my God. Right? Yeah, um, it's an yeah. homage to the early two thousands band, right? I, that's plain a, white that's tees kind of the everywhere. running joke on Twitter, right? Plain white tees. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean it's uh, it's disappointing. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. I think I, just just as somebody who works around Major League Soccer, um, people in front offices that I come across, some of the people that that work creatively in and around the league are some of the most uh, creative, like brand aware, sharp. Um, people that 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 I know, and when I see the uniforms, they never reflect like the creativity that I know to be behind some of the brands and some of the 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 ideas, the launches, the coverage that you see behind MLS teams. Um, and and you know, I don't, I will never speak too critically of Adidas. Like I love Adidas gear, and and Adidas is, I'm sure, a, a league partner and um, and an ESPN partner at that. But it 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 would seem to be counterintuitive. Like, is this really the way to, to, to make your gear cool and, and vibrant? Uh, and really what the, at the end of the day, the point of it is to sell it. Like soccer gear is one of the few jerseys that most people can wear, can pull off, you know, like a lot of people can't wear a football jersey or a hockey jersey or like a hoops jersey, but a soccer jersey is something that, that could, you could actually like penetrate kind of normal culture with. And for a league that should set that as a priority, the fact that the jerseys um, continually, right? Like it's not the first time and, mm-hmm. and, and progressively seem to be getting more and more standard and plain mm-hmm. um, is super disappointing because I, I think we, you know, we, we, should, we should honor like the quirkiness, the creative, the, the weird of American soccer as much as we, you know, honor the fact that it's trying to assimilate itself with the world, whether that be from a marketplace or a look standard um, standpoint. I just think like, you know, we, there's, there's great offerings here. There's great unique logos and colors and things that could be done. And, and the jerseys all end up looking the same. It's, um, it's, it's kind of a disappointment. Sebi, I, I, 
mentioned earlier that you were on the show for um for for our special episode on on sports gambling when the Supreme Court dropped its decision uh nullifying the federal law that prevented states from legalizing gambling here in DC uh the the city council has moved forward on legalizing sports gambling they think they they need to take one more vote before um it it's all final and and they can start the agencies can start implementing it and it'll allow all the arenas in town to open their own really big sports books and then allow restaurants and bars to have kiosks basically installed in them. Um, I'm curious where you think this is going. Yeah, I would be shocked if DC United is not on the forefront of, of whatever comes technologically uh, through this city. We've already seen just, you know, from the club's decision to go down the Flow TV streaming service route. Um, some of their decisions last year about kind of uh, mobile ticketing, they're, the, the club is kind of saying like, hey, we're going towards a technological future that's going to create new revenue streams and make us money and, and fans kind of like figure it out and catch up or, um, or be left behind. And I think this is going to be another one of those where uh, as soon as the club can draw revenue stream from gambling, whether that mean advertising, um, having having a place to, to bet there, having technology like an app where you can bet in-game, because I think that's really like where this is all going. The in-game betting live is going to mm-hmm. be a really slick feature for folks once these apps get up and running. You know, and I can totally see a future at Audi Field where um, it's, you know, second half and DC United is, is minus one. Uh, you know, they're up, they're up a goal. And so they're minus one for the second half. And, you know, you, you want to take that bet or not? Like, do you, you know, are that, do you feel like the team that you're watching is, and that's what I think the thrill of live online, you know, live betting is, is you're, you're watching a game unfold in front of you and you think you see something unfolding and you say, okay, I think that's going to happen more in the second half. Um, and, and, and you can make those live in game bets and capitalize on what you think you see. So, and, and, and that's kind of the point of it. So I, I think that's where we're going. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if within a couple of years, like you're seeing the very first installments of that uh, at DC United, because the ownership that, that runs this club now is, is going to leave no stone unturned when it comes to monetizing um, this or any of the assets that fall kind of underneath the club. For, for better or worse, I, I wonder if they... Um if they're thinking of ways to put the sports book actually inside the stadium or if they will, because the stadium site I think includes the, the field where there's going to be a hotel or whatever. Um, and then the retail along the first street side uh, of the stadium. I wonder, I, I assume they're going to do a sports bar with a big book and uh, you know, the million TV screens and the tickers everywhere. Um I'm just curious. I, I'm I'm interested to see what the the experience will be as a as a consumer, um, how that will be. Just going down to Audi Field, if especially because Nats Park will also almost certainly have their own sports book. It'll be a little little gambling haven, little Trocadero on the Potomac. Sebi, I guess um, before we let you go, I, I want to um, we've you know we've talked a little about DC United. Um, what do you think overall of this team's prospects? I mean, we went from a team that was kind of struggling to all of a sudden this crazy, uh, it was only three months. I still think of it as like a two year period, uh, in my <laughs> person, in my own life. Um, 
What, what do you think this team, the, the team is going to be capable of this season? I don't know. I think, you know, I think the expectations are like MLS cup, right? Like, let's be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. This team got to such a place last year where they were picking up points. at such a clip in the second half of the season. Um, the teams that, that perform at that output are, are the types of teams that they usually win titles. Like they were, they were on that trajectory and, and, and it got cut short. And I think everybody involved feels that about that. You know, like I, I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we talked to Ben Olsen at the Combine. And the first thing he said was like, you know, that was one of the worst, almost unprovoked that that was one of the worst losses he'd ever suffered as a, as a player or as a coach. And people who know this team and know Ben's history, remember he, his kind of the early part of his career, he was known as like the guy who kind of lost big games, lost title games. Um, so for him to say that, I was like, wow, you know, um, and I, and, and I asked him why, and he just, he said, because it, you know, it shouldn't have been, that was not the way that team was supposed to lose. They've reinforced that team. Now they that team is better. Uh, I think in theory, you look at the addition of a guy like Lucas Rodriguez, who, um, everybody says is, is, uh, is, is going to be another, you know, kind of game changing type attacking player. Um, they've added, they've added the right kind of help but outside back with Jara I think that's going to be an interesting um dynamic between him and Ariola um because Jara's like a, a, a an outside back that loves to you know get up the wing uh and of you know so so how, how does all that work out but but I'm it, it it's a it's a good question to have a good problem to have I really thought they'd get better at like center back in the offseason I thought that, that oh, we'd yeah. see we'd see an addition there we, you know maybe we we haven't quite yet but there's no reason on paper for me to think that this this team's going to get worse, um, but the the but there's like two big questions. The one we we already addressed, which is like how does the PSG thing affect Lucho, um, and then the other thing is like what's Wayne Rooney like when he's got to travel all the time and all the games aren't at home, um, and it's 34 games as opposed to the short sprint that was last season with a you know overwhelmingly and only Ameriquas is back up. Right. And so and so I think I think like it's it's normal for us to expect and be excited that Wayne Rooney's going to produce like he did last year. But like, let's also acknowledge that there were there were very special circumstances last year. And so, you know, I think there's a real possibility that um, his productivity may not be the same, but that doesn't mean that he won't be a as impactful or b that the club won't be as successful. So, Sebi, are you putting down bets on DC United this year? Uh, I would definitely throw a bet down. Let's. What are the? Um, I should. I should have looked this up. Do you have them in front of you, Adam? I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna get, I, get to my I account. My off, MLS futures odds. Off the top of my head, I think they were at like fifteen to one or seventeen to one. I thought it was nineteen something 19? like that. Okay. And who's tops right now? Like Atlanta or something? I think they, what are they going yeah, on? I think the Galaxy and Atlanta were at the top. Really? See how. And yeah, See, right now, the so I'm looking at one right now, uh, gambling.com. I don't know if that's right or not. Adam, Adam, why is that? What, why have you found that? Because that's what <laughs> Google put about, up first. Can that's we talk what about, Google found first. Can we talk about your Google results, Adam? Uh, we might. That's they not have, a good show. <laughs> it's not. Um, they don't have the, the kind of American style, whatever to one. Uh, but Sebi, you can you can translate for us. Uh, they have the Red Bulls as favorites at plus four hundred, followed yeah. by Atlanta United at plus five hundred, Galaxy and LAFC at plus six hundred, 
NYCFC Sounders, um, both in under plus a thousand. They have DC United down kind of middle of the pack, maybe even bottom half at plus four thousand. Wow. So like 40 to one for DC, huh? I don't, I don't hate those odds. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, uh, I would take DC for sure. I, th- I think DC is a great bet. And it's interesting to me because I see a lot of teams above DC, both in the East and just like generally, uh, although I guess, you know, in the West, um, it's hard to see, it's hard to know what the West is. I just, you know, either where they stack up against the East, but let's, just look at the East that have huge question marks. Like, what are the Red Bulls without Tyler Adams? Um, what's New York City without David Villa? What's Atlanta without Almiron and Tata? Like, and, and I know, like, okay, fine, they brought in Piti Martinez, and he's going to be an amazing player by all accounts. But is DeBoer really the, the, the type of coach to replace Tata? For me, that's a huge question. Like, Columbus is a huge turnover question. You know, all these teams above DC United – to me, have real serious, like foundational questions to answer that DC for this season doesn't have, uh, you know, outside of the Lucha thing. And, and for me, that would be a, a reason to like look at DC and look at these odds and be like, man, I, I think DC might might be better set up in the East than a lot of people think. Well, I hope that's the case. And and if it is, we'll you know we'll we'll be celebrating for sure. Sebi, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find you on the old social media. Yeah, um, at Sebi Salazar F U T F U T for uh, football. We got a, a bunch of games coming up. I'll be on uh, March third for the opener. Atlanta United uh, when they come to town for DC United. I'll be hosting the pre-half and post-game coverage for ESPN, and do like I think we have like six DC games this year. So awesome! I'm I'm pretty pumped for the for the when the ESPN TV schedule came out. Are you guys going to be on site for that, or is the yes. studio so going to be back in Bristol? Nah, so since it's the opener, we're actually going to be on site. I think we're going to be um, on field right under like the Heineken Terrace. Uh, oh, wow. um, you know, kind of like facing out towards the field. I believe that's what we'll set up. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, but so yeah, we'll do the, the pregame there. We'll have, you know, Alejandro, Herc, whoever else the, the pregame crew is since it's our opener and it's the first game of a double header. I think the other game is LAFC, um, sporting or LAFC Portland out in Los Angeles that night. So Big night of MLS March 3rd. And, and, you know, it's, I think, I think it is the first of six games that we have, DC United on our air. There's another in April and then I think another in like June or July. All right. Uh, We will be right back to talk about (laughs) DC United's preseason. Uh, Please stick around. This is Filibuster. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell Uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is our goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious, in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. 
It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, DC United's preseason is continuing. They are back in DC slash Northern Virginia right now uh, for a week of training before they go back for a second stint in Florida um, where they will play more preseason games. They did play a second preseason game down in Florida last week. Uh, they they drew Cincinnati one to one, went ahead on a Lucho Acosta goal before giving up an equalizer later. Of course, nobody was able to watch the game unless you happened to be there in person. Because again, this this game wasn't streamed. Um, I'm going to start though talking about Lucho Acosta. Uh, we had questions, I think, recently. So we talked about it with Sebi in the last segment about where Lucho's mind would be at during. Um, during preseason and during the season after the move to PSG fell through. And uh, I I said last week, my hope would be that he would be in kind of decide to, to go into God mode and just rip the league limb from limb. And he scored a goal in his first preseason game. So uh, I'm choosing to interpret that as a good data point. Yeah. I mean, we don't have anything else to go on. Um, <laughs> I, I shouldn't say that. Um, Pat Brennan from the Cincinnati Inquirer was at the game and tweeted a lot. Uh, thankfully, uh, it's very good that he did that because that did give us someone's opinion on what was happening. Um, and he seemed very impressed by DC in the first half. Um, and to go, you know, to back his opinion up, um, Cincinnati's coach, uh, uh, Alan, Alan coach, I think is actually, I don't know how he pronounces that. Um, I should probably look into that before we get into the season, but, uh, he, he was a uh, pretty strong in his praise for DC. He said that, uh, Cincinnati didn't really know how to handle DC that, um, you know, the team was on the back foot for a while and they started to feel a little, uh, down on themselves. You know, it seemed like he was concerned with his team's emotional response to being under some pressure um, uh, in that first half. And the first half was when DC had their first team other than Wayne Rooney uh, on the field. They had Ulysses Segura up top. Um, and by all accounts, uh, Cincinnati had maybe not their absolute a team. They had a couple guys that have knocks that they were protecting um, including Darren Maddox who didn't get any time, but um it was still definitely their stronger on paper, at least their stronger uh, group of players and, and DC by and large appeared to completely play them off the field. Um, though, if you were concerned about Segura as a forward, um, he didn't do anything to dissuade you uh, because the one notable thing that came through uh, the Twitter following the game on Twitter was that he got 
clean on goal and got saved. Uh, his whatever he did got saved. So, um, that's in the video, a- so we talked. I, I mentioned the game wasn't streamed. Um, Cincinnati did share a a very brief highlights package. It looked like Segura may have gotten the assist on Acosta's goal. It would, the the camera angle is pretty low. It's hard to to tell, but it looked like he may have gotten the put the pass to to set up Acosta's goal, which is you know it's something. Hopefully, it's not a position we see Segura in at any point during the actual season, but. I don't know. I'm grasping here, dude. I mean, you know, you know, the, the, the Cincinnati highlights were necessarily that they were put out by FC Cincinnati. They were more focused on their player players doing things. Um, the goal uh, from Acosta, it's, it's like a two second blink and you miss it kind of clip um, while uh, their coach is talking. So yeah, uh, that's all we got for uh we got that. And there were a couple um, uh, Pat Brennan's, tweets during the game had a couple of um, moments of video that didn't amount to much, but they at least showed us something that was happening. Um, you know, maybe the biggest, maybe the biggest talking point for DC is more that um, Lucas Rodriguez didn't play um, though. I did notice in one of those videos that he was in team gear uh, and running shoes, but he was walking to the bench and he wasn't walking with any sort of limp or, a visible brace or an ice pack or anything. So um, if something was wrong, I don't think it was major. Um, maybe it was just one of those uh, small knocks like some of those Cincinnati players had. Um, I think he had been training as recently as the day before. Um, so I don't think anything too bad happened there. Um, so at least there's that. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's it makes our lives difficult because uh, we cover the team. We want to talk about the team. We want to have something to actually share. uh, And we're stuck, you know, telling you what somebody else thought. It's not great that the game wasn't streamed. Uh, Yeah. And I feel like this is the worst in a while that the streaming has been uh the last couple of preseasons there's been at least something for the first segment of the preseason i mean we know that img academy has some very bad streaming but they do have streaming possibilities that we have subscribed to in the past and we saw uh uh, construction equipment uh doing its job Got to to hear a lot of wind on the microphone. Yeah, and we got to hear a lot of wind, but we got to see the game. So we know streaming is possible. So it's it's a thing that it's a thing that sucks. And until MLS mandates pre preseason streaming, uh, teams aren't going to try and get behind it. And so it has to come from us. It has to come from the league. But well, you know who's who it's going to come from. Honestly, it's going to come from casinos Me? and gamblers, sports you? books. They're the ones that even like more religiously are, are going to be watching every second of film that exists. I may have, I may uh, have told this to, story before, but uh, when I used to sit in the Richmond Kickers uh, press box for games a couple of years ago, there was a guy there who was uh, transmitting immediate stats to an Austrian sports book just because they had that much interest in betting on USL games and his job there was, was validated and uh, maybe that'll come to 
uh, MLS games at some point. Yeah, I mean, and, that's one of the that's the big reason why NFL preseason. I mean, every everybody gets a look at the team. It's great for casual fans, for hardcore fans, but it's the gamblers that probably get the most value out of it so they can see where teams are are leaning in their tendencies early in the year before the first game even. And, you know, you wouldn't get as much of that potentially um, kind of macro stuff or, or micro stuff uh, for soccer in the preseason. But you, you'd be able to see how teams are planning to line up and kind of where they have holes. Um, and you can extrapolate some. And I need this fix. Also that. Not that, yeah, anyway. Jason, you had something? Oh, I, w- I was just going to say, speaking of local professional teams that have some sort of uh, gambling monitor in place, there's a guy that attends Spirit Games that I i don't know 100% that that's what he does, but it, it, there's nothing else he could be doing. Um, then it, it's about telling someone over the phone um, what is going on in the game in, in this weird sort of... Uh, coded language that they share so they that they don't have misunderstandings about what a term might mean um and he brings up the game stream and he's very focused on how far the stream is from the live action etc so if that's not gambling i don't know what it is um but uh yeah that this is kind of maybe the only thing that would um i think adam might be onto something here about uh you know the, I, I think the league doesn't particularly care one way or the other Otherwise, they would have already mandated it. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that they actually care until it becomes something where um, their financial interests might be uh, impacted by uh, someone saying, hey, we'll give you more money if you start streaming all these preseason games. Then they'll all of a sudden be like, hey, guess what? Streaming for everybody. Um, but, yeah, right now, uh, I think technically DC has an out because both of these games were played uh, they were the away team in, I put that in scare quotes in case you couldn't tell from my tone of voice. <laughs> um, yeah, so they had an out and the, the other team involved opted not to, for whatever reason, um, with Bethlehem, I can kind of understand it's the first preseason game for them. And, um, as we know from Loudon, they might not have a full roster in place or even any roster in place. Um, so it's, on one hand, I get the thought process, but on the other hand, stream the games. Just stream them. Yeah, I, Cincinnati, I think, has even less of an excuse than DC United. They are going into their first season. They have people who've never watched their MLS roster before who right. are probably... And they, have a, they had a very strong USL following uh, that they're bringing up with them. And they just... Nah, they couldn't be bothered. It's just so bizarre yeah anyway maybe, maybe the wind gusts blew the camera tower at uh bradenton's uh, facility down um Until i hope not that's scary or, or like the uh the bulldozers in the background just came through and knocked it down or alligators ate it uh, a common a common problem in florida uh alligators eating whatever it is you happen to have it is known uh, some some roster news uh, to 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 discuss. Uh, most recently, DC United has a backup forward for Wayne Rooney. Now they no longer have to play Ulysses Segura uh, up top when Rooney's not on the field. Uh, Quincy Ameriqua joining the team on an MLS free agent deal, I believe. 
most recently of the Montreal Impact, but he's he's been all over the place. He he spent some time in San Jose, in Chicago, Colorado, Toronto, um, probably one or two other places. Um, EFC, but did you mention them? I said Toronto. Okay, it's six teams. Is the thing? It's a lot. Is DC the sixth, or were there six before now? Uh, I believe DC is the sixth uh, because he he went back. He was started with San Jose and then returned to San Jose. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, it's six. Montreal was team number six, so DC is now team seven. All right, I did get them all. I, yeah. I got Quincy Ameriqua Bingo. <laughs> uh, he's he's an interesting player. He doesn't score a ton of goals for a, nope. a center forward. But he's he's someone that I think you watch him and he just looks difficult to play against, uh, I guess is the best way to put it. He's always moving. He's very physical, especially for a guy who's not that big, uh, at least not that tall. And he he seems like someone who's just always going to, to go out there and be a pest, but not like uh, a Steven Lenhart dirty type player. He, he manages to, to stay on the right side of that line as far as villainy and, you know, treachery. Um, but he, he has scored some great goals. I think he won goal of the year one year. Um, but, you know, interesting signing Jason, I'm curious your take. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not the level of forward that I wanted DC to sign. Um, as I said, a couple times uh, throughout the off season. Um, I really think that what DC w- needed was just Darren Maddox, but slightly happier about his uh, status on the team. Um, but that player is, that's a theoretical player, not a real player. So um, I assume that they went out uh, looking for uh, younger options, looking for ways to make it work internationally that would have required another international spot. Um Maybe this is a case for some recent trades. Um, Chicago recently spent two hundred thousand uh, in allocation money to get a uh, one-year uh, rental of an international spot from Minnesota. Um, maybe that market became too volatile to make uh, make sense of going the international route. But once those options expire, there really aren't too many. There aren't too many paths forward. You know. TFC grabbed uh, Terrence Boyd, um, and that's probably that's pretty much it out there. That's not um, someone that was on a pretty underwhelming MLS free agent pool. Um, like I, I don't think Ameriqua is a bad player. Um, I just I don't know that he fits the job that he's going to be given here. Um, his career history. I mean, A, he just hasn't scored that many goals. He scored less goals than I think most people think. Um, I, I think... Um, 25 in his MLS career. Right, 25 in 200 appearances. Um, and I think a lot of people have him at a higher uh, goal-scoring rate than that because he has had a couple of years where he did really well. Um, back in 2014 with the fire, he had an eight-goal, five-assist a season as a starter. That's not bad. It's not great, but it's it's okay for for a backup forward on this team. It's it's probably pretty decent. Um, it's a better that's a better season than Darren Maddox had ever had before he got here. Um, he also had a uh, back half of 2015 where he was he got six goals and four assists in half a season for San Jose. So he was on fire at that point. Um, 
It's just that those seasons the, or that half season and that full season in Chicago, he was a starter. Um, his record when he's been primarily a substitute has not been, he just doesn't put up the numbers. Um, on also, the other I'm, hand, oh, go I, ahead, Ben. I, I'm just looking at his numbers and I'm just amazed that he has three seasons with over a thousand minutes in a 10 year, 11 year career. Yeah. I mean, it took him a while to even break out as more than just a guy on the roster. And um, he unbroke the last two seasons. Yeah. Last, you know, in, last year. Well, he yeah. had an ACL tear year before yeah. last. Yeah. At the end of 2016, he, we should you know, talk about that. It was, I think it was the end of September, 2016. He tore his ACL. Um, so he didn't really come back, uh, in 2017. Um, he made nine appearances, but if memory serves, he came back, played a few games and then picked up the almost perfunctory, uh, muscle strain that a lot of guys that have been out that long pick up because, you know, your body's just not used to the wear and tear. Um, and so he made just, you know, nine appearances, only played 150 minutes in 2017. Uh, in 2018, he happened to be on a team that completely changed their philosophy, everything about it, and the new coach, new GM, new players, etc. Um, San Jose still found a role for him, but he was not, they didn't want him as a starter when they made all those changes. Um, and it wasn't until he got to Montreal that he became a more regular player again. So the ACL tear has kind of had a pretty outsized uh, impact on the last three years for him. Um, it doesn't explain everything, but it does explain some of it. One thing I'm I'm curious about um, with Ameriqua is how he will play being on a team that will presumably and hopefully not be a bad team. He has never really spent much time on good teams in MLS. The San Jose teams, he was on the Chicago teams, Colorado. Uh, he was on Toronto, and I think they were they were pretty good, but he was not a... Well, that was 2012. I don't think... Oh, no, so they, were, they no, weren't no, bad. They were that was good. when they were bad. That yeah. was when they were still bad. Montreal was bad last year. And I don't think they're bad because they have Ameriquois, but he, he's not a starting player on a good MLS team. Um, so I'm I'm going to be interested to see how he does with Jason. I think you pointed out he's never had a midfield uh, as strong as the one he's, he's going to have. And he hasn't had a rest of the team as strong as the one he, he should have here in DC when he does get on the field. So I'm, I'm hoping that he will uh, benefit from that and, and be able to, to meld with the team as well. And I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm not, I'm, I'm very whelmed. I'm neither over nor underwhelmed right. by, by the be. signing. Um, um, yeah, I, I, you know, Ameriquas, I mean, we mentioned some of the teams. Do they sound like, you know, pre-Giovinco TFC, Colorado at any given time, uh, San Jose, and he wasn't there during the uh, the Goonies years. He was in Chicago. Colorado, uh, um, Colorado yeah. ever. Yeah, Chicago post-Blanco. Uh, um the San Jose again, uh, still, still not in the uh, Goonies era. And then last year's impact, they might've been the best team he's played on. Um, and that was a team that didn't make the playoffs um, in his whole career. He's made the, he's been on a playoff team three times, the 2010 and 2011 Rapids uh, who the 2010 Rapids did win no. MLS cup. No, they didn't. They, that, uh, that is, you cannot prove he, that. You he played one that. minute. In, in that playoff run, Jason, um, you cannot prove that. 
I I watched it happen. Uh, no, you didn't. No one did. Uh, shout out to Makumba Kanji. Um, I definitely did not watch the. Oh, Matt Kanji, Rapids. man, that's. Sam. I definitely did not watch the Rapids uh, FC Dallas MLS Cup final as my first ever MLS Cup final that I ever watched. I didn't do that. <laughs> Matt Kanji gave his knee for the Colorado Rapids to win an MLS Cup. Um, That's what I used to think that uh, Dax McCarty was good. I mean, Dax McCarty is good. He was just. Well, he was good. Anyway, I don't know where he is. I don't know how good he is now in Chicago. You know, I. Yeah, I'm surprised he's still there. I had heard uh, some some fairly strong rumors that that was they were going to um, offload him and a bunch of other guys, and it just didn't happen. Um, How did someone the, named Gary Smith win an MLS Cup? Uh, four for two. One. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like where your head's at, Jason. <laughs> yeah, but uh, look, uh, I mean, obviously, we're not. None of us are particularly thrilled with this, um, but I guess we it, it is. You know, I think it's fair to at least try and project what the end game here is for United, what they're probably thinking could happen, um, which is that Ameriqua is one of the hardest working players in the league. Um, he likes to hold the ball up. He likes to be he likes to receive the ball back to goal, but to feet because he's not he's five foot nine. He's not competing in the air with center backs. Um, it just so happens that. Wayne Rooney is not competing in the air with center backs and likes to receive the goal, the ball back to goal with his feet. Um, so on an extremely broad um, perspective, there are some, some similarities. Um, Ameriqua doesn't have Rooney's inventiveness. He's not as good off the ball or anything, but wait, Quincy Ameriqua is not as good as Wayne Rooney. That's correct. Uh, believe it or not. Um, his <laughs> uh, first touch hey. is pretty decent. Um, for an MLS lifer, it's, it's, um, maybe a little underrated. Um, he will be able to bring other players into play. So if DC United wants to play the same style, more or less, and they'll just have, you know, Ameriqua instead of Rooney. And that's pretty much the only change. Uh, if the midfield can pick up the scoring load, it'll be all right. It won't be great. It will not be as dangerous as being able to bring Darren Maddox in, but it won't be, you know, just sending in a guy and hoping for the best. Um, I did like get Leonard Pahoy. Oh God! <laughs> you, I'm sorry, I had to you do brought it. Up, you brought up, or you said, don't talk about the 2010 Rapids, but then you brought up Pahoy. Um, yeah, don't listen to me, please. Please, listeners, don't turn the podcast off yet. Um, I, I mean, it's been it's been a weird day of reactions as well because I thought. I thought the reaction to this was going to be more negative than we are. And the reaction was much more uh, fairly positive. People seemed kind of excited about it. Um, I think, I I guess my, my theory on it a little bit is that in years past when DC wasn't as good as they are now, this would have been treated as a better signing. And I don't know as a fan base, I don't know if we've moved away from that thinking completely yet. Um, because this is not to me, at least this is a, we can get into the playoff signing, not a, we can contend signing. And I wanted to see a contender signing. Um, and that's why I'm kind of like, all right, fine. Well, Um, I feel like this is especially a bad signing, not a bad signing, but a settling signing 
especially if they don't do anything at center back. If you combine those two together, it's it's really a settling mindset. Yeah, I mean, it, it does leave some money open. Uh, we don't know exactly what America is going to make, but um, he It'll made presumably be less than the what two eighty five he made last year, right? Two eighty nine, but yes, he's been on the the free agent market for the entire off season, so um, it's telling me that there wasn't too much of a demand. So I'm I'm thinking one seventy five is it sounds about right to me as, as a guess Seems reasonable um you know that's expected to be a little higher than that but in that range right and, and look if it's 200 i'm not going to lose yeah. any sleep over it because as as we've tried to say over and over again you're never going to have a perfectly efficient mls salary cap and worrying about it there's just so many other things to worry about in life um <laughs> if, if he's making 210 don't don't lose your mind over it um if he's making 250 i wouldn't worry about it yeah, it's, it's it's not too big of a deal. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the savings there can be bundled into um, cap space for a center back if 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 they can find one. Um, I'm starting to get the sense, you know, we're midway through February, just about I'm starting to get the sense that the center back thing might be a summer window uh, signing in the end. Um, but there's still time and they've still every time they've talked to anyone uh, in the media from the start of the preseason uh, or even at the draft, uh, Dave Casper said directly, we're still looking for a center back. He said it again at uh, what team media day. Um, so yeah, they're still looking for a center back. I think his, his, you know, I think Steve Goff's article about Ameriqua mentioned that DC is still in the market for a center back. So um, if they find someone, I'm sure will it'll happen quickly. Uh, I'm just starting to think that they're not going to find anybody in this, this amount of time. Um, which is probably, it's not a backbreaking deal. I think they're going to be a very good team with the players that are on the roster. It would be pretty awesome to then add a center back to that, that can really, um, improve what's already there. Cause if they're just going to go out and sign the Quincy Ameriqua equivalent at center back, uh, don't bother that that's not worth the time. Um, but if they've got someone at that contender level signing that I talked about before, if they've got someone like that, then yeah, go get the guy. Um, but I'm starting to think that that's a summer thing now. At this point, I wouldn't even mind another forward signing. I mean, it, three Damn. forwards is not exactly a glut. I mean, yeah, we um, need another Dane on, Kelly on a roster. Level sure, I mean, if, if Quincy Ameriqua is the Dane Kelly level signing, then that's a, like if we get someone better than, then Ameriqua who can really back up Rooney and then Ameriqua is there basically to be a pain in the ass in training for the defense and to, you know, be a locker room guy. I can, I can live with that. Um, even at, even at a couple hundred that would would change the dynamic quite a bit. Um, but it doesn't, it right now, it sounds more like he's the replacement. Um, and the new that, you know, that third forward role, you know, we may have them, we might well, you know, we may because Yao is more of a wide forward midfielder type, um, at least from what I've seen. So I'm, I don't think he's, I don't think they're looking at him to be a striker. Um, I think they're looking at him to be wide left or wide right. Um, but what we, what we could see, you know, the dynamic is different now. They don't necessarily need, you know, Dan Kelly came in at 27 years old. Um, now that there's Loudon is in place, they might be looking for someone. Um, 
who's younger, who might spend most of his time with Loudon, but is ready to go in case he gets called in. Someone that's good enough to actually be on the bench on game day if need be, but will spend the majority of his time playing for Loudon United. Um, so, you know, it might not be as familiar as a name of a name, and it certainly shouldn't be as old of a name. It should be someone much, much younger. I think um, Ryan Kiefer uh, earlier tonight tweeted out that um, Milton Quintanilla from CD Dragon in El Salvador is, he was saying, I'm hearing that he's uh, heading to, he could be on the roster for Loudon. Um, I don't actually know how old he is. Um, I'm going to, find out now because i have an internet connection um but uh that's kind of the the profile i was thinking maybe um age wise it's i don't know if it's going to work out or not because uh he's not the most well-known player in the world um yeah i'm not even getting a result it's uh, the the only result i'm getting is eliseo quintanilla who played for dc united in the distant past um (laughs) and then was part of el salvador's team that got uh banned for life for uh game uh uh, match fixing um, right there with Christian Castillo. Right. Cool, great. But um, I mean, that's, that's the kind of idea though, is use those uh, loud in the international spots on someone that could theoretically also contribute at a higher level. Maybe. And you're thinking mostly their contributions will come in 2020 or 2021, but this year they can also do a job if need be, because that was Dane Kelly's job last year is, was um, be around just in case, but, you know, he played what three minutes in uh, MLS regular season play. That might be the idea for that role. Some other roster news: uh, three players who were in camp will not be on the roster. Steve Goff reporting today that Pebo Dewey, Colton Storm, and Gio Alves were all released from training uh, and and will not be getting contract offers this year. Uh, I don't have any strong feelings about this. Uh, Gio Alves was one of DC United's third round draft picks this year. Um, just didn't seem to fit in. Uh, wasn't able to find a roster spot for him. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on on the cuts before we call it an evening. Ben, I'll let you go first. Um, I, with the dearth of signings for Loudoun United it's just curious I, I they're obviously going to have a a small roster for Loudoun United um they're going to lean on academy kids which you can only have 5 of in every uh game day 18 but they're going to rely on those players they're going to rely on um uh people coming from DC, loaned from DC United and then they're going to fill it out a little bit with other players. But I'm just surprised a little bit that they didn't give these players a little more of a chance to make the Loudon United roster. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what they do. I know they're going to have a lean roster in, in Loudon coming up, but it's still just a little curious, especially with uh, uh, Douay, who was a dc united academy player he could have been an easy option for Loudon, and that, that that one is the most curious of of the cuts yeah uh Duet is is definitely the the player that i was surprised by i thought um is he an mls caliber player probably not 
Um, but he's played at the USL level for several years. He's been on some pretty good teams at that level. Um, yeah. NCFC is a decent, is a, is on the top tier of, right. uh, lower division soccer team. And, and he was a starter there. This isn't yeah. just that he was on that roster. He was a starter. Um, he played against DC and looked completely what you would expect for a starter at the USL level on a good USL team, uh, in the open cup. So, um, I, I don't know. He, his signing at that level made a lot of sense to me. Um, the fact that they're letting him go means that either it could be a situation where they were like, look, you know, the contract we're going to be able to offer you is only, it's going to be a low end contract because we're not trying to spend too much on our USL roster. You might be able to find a better deal elsewhere and we're going to let you go now. So you still have time to latch on because you know, the preseason not too much longer for them than it is for MLS. Um, it could be that, but we don't have those details. So um, it could also be that, maybe they've got their eye on um, someone in the Academy that they want to give those minutes to though. I don't know of a left back in the Academy system that um, is break about to break through or anything. So um, one thing you and I talked about, or one thing we talked about at some point in the past is, is whether DC United was how far they were going to emulate Red Bulls too in their operations where, where they kind of focus on, Academy kids and on loan MLS players. And then the USL contract part of the roster is basically there on a one year deal to as a trial to see if there's a way they can move on up. And if DC United could already tell that Douay wasn't going to advance to MLS level, they might've just let him go because of that, even without anybody in mind. And he's in, he's, I think, 26 or 27. So at his age, it is probably a finished product situation. Um, but on the other hand, they've gone so far into this, the preseason without any signings that I was starting to think they almost had to put him, uh, yeah. give him a deal um, just to have enough players to, because they're required by the USL to have 12 players under USL contracts. There, there's a minimum there that they have to fulfill. Um so I was starting to think that he was going to get a deal. I was starting to think all three, uh, him, uh, Gio Alves, and Shinya Cadono would all get deals because, you know, wh- where else are they going to get these guys from? Um, obviously, that's not going to be – it sounds like Cadono is going to get um, a deal. And and honestly, he could be – that we kind of overlooked him entirely in the Dane Kelly situation, which um, is a mistake because I, I, I've seen him play in college. I think there's actually something there. Um, maybe not to be an MLS star, but certainly to be that role within this system, I think it could make some sense. Um, or he could play on the right as well. Um, yeah, it could make sense, especially if he's getting those regular minutes in Loudon and just right. and, comes up to DC when, when they need him. Yeah. Um, and so he, he could be that guy. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, the, the rumor is that there are going to be several signings announced all at once. It, you know, I'm starting to, as a, you know, having to write about it, I'm starting to get terrified that it's going to be like, here are 10 players, uh, good luck. Um, and, the, you know, the pressure to get something out quickly because, you know, Loudon hasn't been too, I think it's fair to say it's a, it's a fair criticism that they haven't been too publicly forward about much of anything. Um, and so I don't think I'm going to get an embargoed press release about this. I think we're just going to hear, here's 10 dudes. Um, 
And some of them will be names we know and some of them will be names we won't, but it'll be tough to cobble together an article. Um, and that's kind of, it kind of sums up the whole preseason process with them. It's been a lot of unknowns um, and a lot of, you know, it's just a feel of um, trying to make, trying to, to make it all happen very quickly um, in, in a way that maybe, you know, they, they probably could have, had some more pieces in place before this late in the preseason. I I'm starting to get a very me in high school doing my homework, uh, at lunch for third period. Um, you know, I'm starting to get that kind of vibe out of it, which, uh, on one hand I understand cause I did that. Um, but on the other hand, it's not the best thing to do. If you can avoid it, you may be a professional soccer team. Yeah. I mean, well, at this it, point, I don't know if you can call Loudon a professional soccer team. Gotta have some players first. Um, yeah, they're a theory. They're not an anything team. team. Um, they're a coach without players. You know, they they did have uh, open tryouts, which are pretty common. In I, that did kind of, I guess, I guess we we should probably address that too. That's a common thing. Both the open tryouts and the price tag that were was attached. Um, like it or not, that's a thing that teams all over, almost every USL team does that. Very um, common for. Uh, uh, the Richmond kickers. Yeah. And from looking around real quick, um, we saw this actually might've been on the cheaper end of the scale. Um, yeah. As far as that, that price tag goes. Um, so, you know, it might seem a little unseemly, but it's a thing that everyone in the USL is doing. I don't know. Um, you know, I I guess they, they need to charge maybe to make sure the event doesn't cost them anything. Maybe that's the thought process, but, and just so you don't get a billion people who are just like, yes, I can make a soccer team. Yeah. Yeah. It it does probably help to keep the kind of people that, uh, occasionally send us messages on Twitter asking for a DC United tryout, which, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, we can't help you get on DC United. Um, Even we cannot. We, put, we are the last people you should. If ask. we put our collective uh, powers as a site and as a podcast towards getting you on DC United, you're not going to get on DC United. Uh, it's not going to work. Even if you're good for our level of player uh, in these local rec leagues, you're not going to get on the team. Uh, it's not going to happen. Please don't ask us for help. We can't help you. Going back to the Loudon Open tryouts, um, I think it's worth noting that like no one was offered a contract, as far as I know at the the open tryouts the the standouts at at the two days of of open tryouts get a an invitation to Loudoun County's training camp where they will be trialists so it's in, it the the open tryout is in in the prize is an invitation to have a formal trial with the team um which which is still a, a hurdle uh to get past it I know there were some people that seemed to be like they were worried that the they were going to fill out Loudon with a bunch of local rec league players trying out, which I don't think will be the case. Um, if, if somebody makes it through the open tryouts and gets a contract and, and plays for Loudon and does well, that will be um, kind of a Swainio like story. But until that happens, I, I don't think it's, it's some, something to worry about. Yeah. Anything else, right. anything else you guys want to hit on before we, we get out of here? We've probably said enough. I mean, that was that was true before we started the show. <laughs> Let's be honest. Thank you all for listening to 
this entirely too long episode of filibuster find us at blackandredunited.com patreon.com slash filibuster if you want to support us financially uh we're on twitter at filibuster dcu at black and red U. email us at filibusterpodcast at gmail.com we're on itunes stitcher soundcloud wherever you get your podcast mostly though please tell a friend about the show that's the best way to spread the word for jason and ben and thanking sebi salazar one more time i'm adam and we'll talk to you again real soon say goodbye jason oh yeah